Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph. Welcome to another edition of our podcast. Today, we continue our series on Spirit-Led Preaching. This is the third episode in a series of eight. I would encourage you, if you haven't heard the first two, go back and listen to those now. Today, we will hear from Dr. David Rose, pastor of First Baptist Winsboro, on spirit-led preaching. Once again, let me encourage you, if you're a pastor, listen to this. Pass this on to other pastors. If you are not a pastor, there is still a ton of content here in these episodes Based on the book Spirit-Led Preaching by Dr. Greg Heisler, there's a ton of content that's going to be applicable if you're a Sunday school teacher, a small group Bible study leader. So let's hand it over now to Dr. David Rose. Take your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2. While you're turning there, think about some of the dynamic duos that you remember from childhood. Dynamic duos. Who are some of those that come to mind? The dynamic duo. Batman and Robin, the first one, right? Laverne and Shirley. (laughs) Jordan and Pippin. Jordan and Pippin. Ren and Stimpy. Shaggy and Scooby. (laughs) Right? Barney and Andy. And those dynamic duos always work together, and, and they seem, usually by the end of the show, they will have done something together that they could not have done apart. Dynamic duos. They need one another. And they end up becoming something something they, they couldn't have done by themselves. And so Heisler starts the chapter talking about two folks in a canoe paddling opposite directions. And wants us to see that the spirit and the word must work together. I, I love the quote that, that Randall had at the very bottom of, of his notes for us. That without the spirit, the word is sterile. And I think sometimes you read through a chapter like this, you think, well, of course, the Word and the Spirit have to work together. And yet, how often do we try to make them, or at least don't allow them to work together? So you think about it, can, can you preach the Word without the Spirit? Can you preach the Word without the Spirit? You can. I mean, we, we're all guilty of it. We've done it, right? And you think about it, seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19, they preached. They really weren't sure what they were preaching about. And they ended up buck naked running out of the building. And if you get in a fight with Satan and you run out naked, you lost. Yeah. Satan himself preached scripture, didn't he? Remember when Jesus was in the desert? He starts quoting scripture. Then I was asking, does the Spirit ever preach anything without the Word? No. Yeah, you, you look at what when the Spirit speaks, he's always pointing to Jesus. He's yeah. always quoting scripture. So look what happens in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. The tongues of fire come down. People are hearing this noise. They're hearing the the words spoken in their language. And look in Acts chapter 2, verse 12. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Some steward said, it means they're drunk. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and Peter begins to preach. And what does he preach? Preaches the word. He quotes Old Testament scripture. Over and over and over. So in verse 12, they're asking the question, what does this mean? And then if you'll turn, it's in verse 37. After he's preached, 
the people themselves asked this question. They were pierced to the heart and they asked, they said to Peter and the rest of the, the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Rick Warren pointed this out years ago, and I, I've used it multiple times, that what we're wanting to happen as we preach is that people are asking, what does this mean? And then they're beginning to ask, what should I do? This is Peter preaching this. I was listening to Matt Chandler yesterday, and, and Chandler's working with his master somewhere. And part of their New Testament class, they had to go to Rome, and then they had to go to Israel. Tough, tough stuff that you got to do for your master's class. <laughs> But he was talking about how in, in Jerusalem particularly, everything is so close. And he's right. I mean, there's just not much distance. And I was thinking this morning that as Peter is preaching this sermon, he's not very far away from the place where 50 days earlier he had rejected Jesus. St. Peter, separated by 50 days and just a few yards. So what's changed for Peter? Spirit. What's changed for this crowd? Spirit. And so we, we can think dynamic duos of, of the Word and the Spirit, but this, this picture came to mind that for, the, for us, the Spirit is really more of a catalyst. You know how catalysts work in chemical reactions? What do they do? They facilitate the reaction without entering into it themselves. Yeah, so at the end of the reaction, the catalyst is exactly the same as it was beforehand. The catalyst just makes sure that the reaction happens. And then this is where it really gets interesting. Anybody here lactose intolerant or know somebody who is lactose intolerant? That is a catalyst problem. If you're lactose intolerant, that means you're taking in lactose, which is milk sugar, and you lack an enzyme called lactase. The enzyme is a catalyst. At the end of the reaction, you have to break down that sugar. Lactase is the same it was before. You're just lacking. But it makes the milk digestible. You know what Paul told them? I want you to... Crave this milk, Peter tell crave this pure spiritual milk. But if you don't have the spirit, you can't process it. Right. And then people hear it and it just makes them sick. But you've got the spirit, and he's able to help you process that, that truth. So then they can say, what does this mean and what do we do? And then I thought too about it, it, it gets even more amazing that in our saliva are these enzymes that help break down meat. So that as we chew it, it doesn't stay in that form, but it breaks it down. And so the Spirit is more than just this dynamic duo with the Word. The Spirit really is the catalyst because the Spirit's not changed at all in the process, but it's the people that are changed. And so we need Him to work in this process as the catalyst to make sure that we're becoming who we're supposed to be. This is Randall's talking about it. It's spoken to us. But that also our people are able to digest it so that we digest it and they're able to give it to them and it's digestible. The Spirit and the Word share the same goal, the Christological witness to Jesus Christ. The, the Word is pointing people to Jesus. If the Spirit's illumination is the hermeneutical foundation for Spirit-led preaching, in other words, helping us get that message, then the theological foundation is built on the complementary relationship between the Spirit and the Word. That there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but he's making the, the case we've got to have both. This chapter establishes the ministry of the Holy Spirit from a biblical perspective, focusing on the Spirit as the guided truth, the revealer of Christ, the source of all conviction. When the Spirit and the Word combine, combustion happens and power results. I like that one. Right on page 60. Moves into that first section of biblical foundation. Spirit of preaching thrives on the powerful and inseparable tandem of the Word and the Spirit. The Spirit of truth is sent by the Father at the request of the Son and indwells believers as a resident minister who guides us into all truth. 
Uh, we need that reminder that the Spirit is with us. Our people need to know that. Because if you grew up Southern Baptist like I did, you didn't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Right? He had been so abused by some denomination that rather than finding this good middle point that was real biblical, we really went to the other end of the, the, the spectrum or the pendulum. We just didn't talk about him a whole lot, if at all. And the people need to know he is living in you, and he is he. He is not it. That's right. Charles Stanley got a great book he wrote years ago called The, the Wonderful Spirit Filled Life. And that's one of the first points I remember from that book. The Spirit is God himself. And our people need to know he's in us. And so, especially as you're making disciples, that they need to know the Spirit who's living in me and teaching me how to make disciples, the same Spirit who's living in you. And you have you have this act. Uh, John 16, verses 8 through 15. Rick, can I give that to you? John 16, verses yeah, 8 through 15. Yeah, read that for me if you want. Okay, it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the real of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The, he points out on page 61, the word he uses there for guide is to lead by teaching to instruct. It's a word used in the New Testament to speak of leading the blind. The Spirit's leading us because we don't know where to go. And we, we must have it. His ministry is a continuation of Jesus' ministry. Therefore, the Spirit hears Jesus and applies Jesus to us. Spirit-led preaching comes into alignment with the Spirit's ministry of glorifying Jesus Christ by proclaiming the written word in order to glorify the living word. And so that's on page 61. And it gives you that there are three words for word in Greek. The, the living word, Jesus, was the logos. He was the mind of Christ. He was the expression of his truth. The written word is the graphe, like an autograph. But the rhema is the spoken word. And that's the word Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6 when he says that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. He says it's the rhema of God. And so we are doing spiritual battle when we're speaking the word. And our people need to know it too so that they can know it and speak it. Because it then does all three things. It glorifies the living word because we process the written word and are speaking Hence, the Spirit of God accompanies the Word of God in order to produce conviction in those who hear. The testimony of the Holy Spirit affirms the trustworthiness of God. You can believe this and the need to respond. You should obey this. What does this mean? What do we do? This means you can believe it. What do we do? You repent. You act on it. And it's not just moral behavior, as Tony pointed out. It is true transformation. He says, he talks about the <clears throat> moving into the, the testimonium. The Spirit's quickening of the Word to my own heart, His testimony in my own heart, is another reason to stand and preach with confidence and boldness. I have both the God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16 inspired scriptures, and I also have the Spirit-illuminated Psalm 119.18 testimony. 2 Timothy 3.16 is my objective truth, the Word, and Psalm 119.18 is my subjective confirmation, Spirit of that truth. 
I believe the Bible is true because it claims to be true, and I believe the Bible is true because it continues to change my life. And Randy, you talked about this. Uh, go down to the middle, page 63. Sometimes one of my preaching students moves out of his preacher mode and gets personal and transparent by saying, Guys, God really convicted me with this text and spoke to my heart as I was preparing this message. I want to share my heart with you for the next minute or two. When I hear something along those lines, I sit up and take notice. Those two minutes typically turn out to be a spiritual feast and the most powerful moment in the sermon. Why? I'm about to experience what I call heart-to-heart preaching, spirit-to-spirit preaching, and one soul preaching to another soul, all by way of the Holy Spirit. No more extract thoughts, no more theory. This is testimony, and this feels real, transparent, so we need that confirmation. We need that that understanding that, that as, as he moves, as he preaches to us, that becomes really the, the truth of what we're going to share. Here's a foundational principle of spirit-led preaching. Whenever you preach, give the spirit something he can testify to. Spirit-led preaching calls us to give the spirit something he can work with when we preach. He's not interested in our tools. Preach scripture, and the spirit will always have something to testify to in your message. Stay in the bounds of Scripture. When I preach Scripture, I come into alignment with the themes the Spirit implanted in the biblical text. Jesus taught in John 16, 13 through 15, which we just read. The Spirit's conviction is, a spe- is specific and centers on the themes of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit's conviction is both for believers and unbelievers. For believers, the Holy, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by convicting the believer of sins committed, of righteousness imputed, and of, the ju- of judgment accomplished. Sounds like the gospel, right? For unbelievers, the Spirit's work focuses on convincing sinners of their separation from God, the futility of self-righteousness for salvation, and the just judgment of God that awaits them. Again, that sounds like the gospel. John 14, 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of the truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. So the Spirit is the helper. Preach the truth and leave the results to the Spirit. Not everyone will respond positively. That's not your job. It is possible that we see so few people saying via our preaching because we no longer preach the things of sin, righteousness, and judgment from the Bible. Now, the third thing, he says, if you don't think, take anything else from this chapter, please get this. The Holy Spirit of God is confrontational, and so is the gospel. So then he, he goes on and, and he, he looks at combining the, the Word and the Spirit, this Christological preaching idea. He's got the, the graphic in there for you that you want to see. The Reformers said the Spirit works with the Word and through the Word, but not without the Word. The Spirit of God and the Word of God are not separable. Together, word and spirit form the powerful catalyst that serves as the theological foundation for spirit-led preaching. The word activates the spirit. The spirit authenticates the word. The word is the instrument of the spirit, and the spirit is the implement of the word. The word is written is the written witness, and the spirit is the inward witness. In terms of preaching, the word is the source and substance of our preaching, and the spirit is the supernatural power. May I take a moment to encourage you as a preacher. Don't believe everything you read about what people want to hear when they come to church. The opinion of the pew should not determine the content of the pulpit. I have found that spirit-led transformational preaching, preaching that points people to Christ's redemptive power, preaching that unashamedly calls for a faith response, preaching that stays on message with the spirit-intended meaning of the text, preaching that magnifies the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, feeds the flock, and fires up the sheep. James Reed, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 17. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him, uh, believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Spirit-empowered preacher preaches the Spirit-inspired scriptures, pointing at all times to the centrality of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Spirit-led preaching happens when the word, the Spirit, and the preacher all testify to Jesus in a unified and powerful way. By preaching Christ, I mean that every sermon should be redemptive and focused and should, by design, not by accident, draw attention to the person and work of Jesus Christ. If Jesus only appears in the last few moments of the message, the message is not Christological. I preach Jesus so others can believe on him, call on his name, and be saved. How then can they call on one they not believe in? And how can they believe without hearing? That's going to bring this episode of the podcast to a close. We want to thank you for listening. If you have questions or want to know more about the broader work of our churches that make up the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, You can visit our website at www.harmonypittsburgh.com or you can contact us here by emailing jeremy, that's J-E-R-E-M-Y, at harmonypittsburgh.com. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast.